morning. Let me add my welcome to Brian's. My name's Kevin. I'm the pastor here at Grace Fellowship, and it's good to be with you. Go ahead and turn in God's Word to Matthew chapter 12, and while you're turning there, I'm going to cut the fan on because apparently some of you are warm. Some of you are freezing. This building kind of has a confused identity. Uh, It does the extreme of whatever the outside does. So, in summertime, you're going to need a blanket. And in wintertime, you should probably wear your flip-flops. Last week, uh, we heard Jesus say that he brings rest. Uh, We heard this invitation from Matthew chapter 11, Jesus says, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will rest you. I will give you rest. Take my yoke on you, learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. So Jesus invites the weary to come to him and find rest. And so it's not any accident that in the very next chapter, in the next section that we're going to look at, Uh, Jesus comes into conflict with the Pharisees over the very issue of rest, over the Sabbath day, the Jewish day of rest. So that is uh, this this section of Matthew's gospel. We're seeing opposition to Jesus increasing, uh, and this is one of the battlegrounds uh, where Jesus faces off against the Pharisees. So let me read uh, Matthew chapter 12, verses 1 through 21. If you're Reading along uh, in the church Bible, it should be on page 816. Let's give our attention to God's word. At that time, Jesus went through the grain fields on the Sabbath, and his disciples were hungry, and they began to pluck heads of grain and to eat. But when the Pharisees saw it, they said to him, Look, your disciples are doing what is not lawful. On the, to do on the Sabbath. He said to them, Haven't you read what David did when he was hungry and those who were with him? How he entered the house of God and ate the bread of the presence, which was not lawful for him to eat, nor for those who were with him, but only for the priest? Or haven't you read in the law how on the Sabbath the priest in the temple profane the Sabbath and are guiltless? I tell you something greater then the temple is here. And if you had known what this means, I desire mercy and not sacrifice, you would not have condemned the guiltless. For the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. He went on from there and entered their synagogue. And a man was there with a withered hand. And they asked him, Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? So that they might accuse him. He said to them, which one of you who has a sheep, if it falls into a pit on the Sabbath, will not take hold of it and lift it out? Of how much more value is a man than a sheep? So it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. Then he said to the man, stretch out your hand. And the man stretched it out and it was restored healthy like the other. But the Pharisees went out and conspired against him 
how to destroy him. Jesus, aware of this, withdrew from there, and many followed him, and he healed them all, and ordered them not to make him known. This was to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah, Behold, my servant whom I have chosen, my beloved with whom my soul is well pleased, I will put my spirit upon him, and he will proclaim justice to the Gentiles. He will not quarrel or cry aloud, nor will anyone hear his voice in the streets. A bruised reed he will not break, and a smoldering wick he will not quench, until he brings justice to victory. And in his name the Gentiles will hope. Amen. All flesh is like grass, all its glory is like the flower of grass. The grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of our God stands forever. Let's pray and ask for his help in understanding it. Lord, we may not understand uh, the controversy here. Uh, Some of these words may be foreign to us. And so, God, I pray that you would help us to understand this, your word that your Holy Spirit would work in and through the reading and the hearing and the preaching of your word to bring about faith, that we would trust in you, and life, that we would follow you. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, you may have read that whole section, uh, and, and you may have thought, okay, so what's the big deal? Uh, I don't even know what a Sabbath is, right? Uh, Because we, uh, in 21st century United States, are on the opposite end of the spectrum from where uh, the Jews are in 1st century Judaism, right? Uh, They were very serious about the Sabbath. We are very serious about our weekends. And those are two very different things. Uh, And so... Before we kind of get into what's going on in this passage, we need to do a little digging. We kind of need to talk about culturally what's going on here. What is the Sabbath and why is it a big deal? Why are Jesus and the Pharisees even arguing about this? Uh, And so the Sabbath uh, was a day of rest in which God's people were not to do any work. Uh, You may have heard of the Ten Commandments. Uh, That's what we call them. Uh, They are um, laid out in Exodus chapter 20. Uh, And of those ten, the command to set apart the Sabbath day was number four. Uh, And so the the command was to work for six days. Six days shall you do all your labor, but the seventh day is to be a Sabbath. And that word Sabbath means to stop or to to cease. It was a Sabbath to the Lord your God. So they were... They had six days to get everything done, and then the seventh day they were to devote to the Lord because he had rested on the seventh day in his work of creation. Later on in Deuteronomy 5, Moses states the Ten Commandments again, but this time when he states the fourth commandment, the Sabbath commandment, he gives a different reason. In Deuteronomy 5, he says, You were slaves in Israel, and the Lord came in and he rescued you from there with an outstretched arm. And so you are to keep the Sabbath. What's what's he mean by that? Basically, when you were slaves in Egypt, they worked you to the bone. 24-7, 365. 
I have liberated you from that slavery. So you do not have to do that. Do not go back into the slavery of work. And so, so the Sabbath day was meant to be a day of rest and worship in which the people of God remembered that, that God was the Lord of creation and he was the Lord of redemption. It was meant to be a delight. So what happened? What, happened, what happens in the 1400 some odd years between the giving of the command at Sinai and Jesus' day uh, in the first century? 30-ish A.D. What, what happens in there? Well, if you fast forward from Sinai about 900 years and you get to the prophet I, uh, Jeremiah, you learn, we learn that God's people are exiled from the land, and there's a lot of reasons why they are exiled from their land, why God kicks them out. But one of those reasons is that they did not keep the Sabbath. So what do you think they did when they return from the land 70 years later. Well, what do you do when uh, you don't want to lose something that's precious to you? You safeguard it, right? And sometimes you go overboard, don't you? Anybody ever have a, a parent or a grandparent, maybe a great-grandparent who had a, a formal living room with really nice furniture and no one was allowed to go in that room? Or sit on that furniture. Which is a little odd. Because a sofa is made for sitting. Not for looking. But for some reason. right, That room is, is off limits. right? It's too nice. I don't understand the idea of having furniture too nice to sit on. But right, when you. Again we kind of go overboard. When we want to protect something that's valuable. right? Or maybe you knew somebody. Look if this is you. Don't raise your hand. We don't want to judge you. Right. Like who put vinyl over the, the furniture. So now not only are you not supposed to sit on it, but it's not comfortable to sit on when you sit on it. It's kind of what's going on here. Um, it's one of the, the cardinal rules of driving, especially at high speeds. right? If you're uh, going down the interstate 70 miles an hour and you start to, to veer off, do you grab the wheel and yank it? No, right? Uh, if you overcorrect... You can cause a lot of problems. And what we see in the Pharisees, right, what, what happened in the 400 or 500 years after the exile uh, that the Jews began developing lots of scribal tradition, lots of rules, made lots of lists about what they could and could not do on the Sabbath. In the interest of keeping it, they actually made it harder. We might say they overcorrected. Uh, and so what was a delight became a burden. I'll just give you an example, one that I read this week. Um, so apparently you could, uh, you could not carry things in the right hand or the left or on the shoulder. If you did that, you were violating the Sabbath because that's how work was ordinarily done. To get around that, what you could do is you could carry it on the back of your hand or on your foot or with your mouth. So, if you needed to carry a bucket of water, you would actually have to work harder uh, to not violate the Sabbath, right? I don't know, like maybe you'd like hook it over your heel and hop on one leg. And so, uh, one, one Jewish book, the Mishnah, which includes a lot of 
Uh, it includes a whole section on Sabbath regulations. Even it says that all of the regulations concerning Sabbath were like a mountain suspended by a hair. Uh, The regulations had become numerous, but the scriptures supporting that were scanty, uh, to to quote. God commanded a day of rest, but what what tradition had done over time was was laid on these, piled up all these man-made rules. And so the Sabbath had become more a drudgery than a delight. Now, the the Pharisees are a group of religious leaders. Uh, They know their Bibles very well. And their, their goal, their motive, we might say, is a good one. Right? They, they wanted to help people be holier. But what happened is keeping the rules became more important than honoring God or loving your neighbor. And that's, that's, what, that's what legalism does. Uh, we're going to use that word legalism uh, and We'll explain it as we go, but it makes keeping the rules more important than, than God or neighbor. And that's the conflict. That's, the, that's where Jesus fights the Pharisees. And so what we see in this section is that, that Jesus gives hope where legalism, this obsession with keeping the rules, Jesus gives hope where legalism brings despair. So I want to I want to do a couple of things this morning, right? That what what you really see here? I mean, we could we could talk about the Sabbath, um, and there have been whole books. And this this passage is about the Sabbath, but it's about more than that. And so the challenge will be um, to not address all of the other things, like well, what's a Christian supposed to do with the Sabbath, and all like that. That necessarily isn't that all, that isn't necessarily what's going on here. Uh, though Jesus does give us some good direction. So, so what we're going to do is we're going to see, we're going to kind of pit legalism against Jesus. We're going to talk about what legalism is and what legalism does. And we're going to talk about who Jesus is and what Jesus does. Okay? So let's talk about what legalism is. Uh, legalism is what happens when rules become more important than the reason for keeping them. Uh we might put it this way, when God's law replaces God himself. That's what happens with the Pharisees. In their pursuit of honoring God's law, they had ceased to honor God. It became more about the letter of the law than understanding the spirit behind the law, what the law was really for. Uh, And so... Let's look at the, the first episode here. Um, Jesus and his disciples, it's the Sabbath day. They're walking through a grain field. The disciples are hungry. Uh, and so they begin to pluck heads of grain and to eat. And the, the, the Pharisees see this and they say, hey, there, that's not lawful. That word comes up uh, several times in this passage. That's not lawful. That's not permissible. They're not supposed to do that. So the first question we need to ask is, well, is it? permissible? Is what they're doing actually wrong? What we see in Deuteronomy 23 is that people were permitted to pluck. In fact, you may kind of wonder like, hey, whose field are they walking through just grabbing their stuff? Like, doesn't that belong to somebody? And so Jewish law actually 
uh, codified compassion. If you owned a field, you were to leave part of it uh, for people to be able to walk through and to eat. So you were, you were to leave part of your field or your vineyard for those who were hungry. And so the disciples, as long as they're not putting a scythe into the grain to harvest it and bundle it and sell it, the business of farming, they're just grabbing grain and eating it. That was permissible. But the Pharisees considered that it wasn't. Their tradition disagreed with God's law. Uh, so the Jew- Jewish law actually allowed what the disciples were doing. Um, and so I want you to look at how Jesus responds to them. They love the law. They, they knew their Bibles. They knew their, what we call the Old Testament. And so that's exactly where Jesus goes. Right? They would have prized them, prided themselves on their knowledge of the Scriptures. And so Jesus says, well, haven't you read? Haven't you read what David did when he and his men were hungry? They were running from Saul. Uh, they were in danger of their lives, and so they had to flee before they could gather any food. And they, they got to the tabernacle, and the priest gave them some of the, the special bread that was there, bread that usually was reserved only for priests. They were allowed to eat of that. Scripture doesn't condemn David and his men for doing that. But that's just an example. What we really need is an that's just a that's just an illustration. What we really need is something from the law itself. So that's what Jesus says next. He says, "Haven't you read in the law how the priests profane the Sabbath?" That's a strong word. They desecrate the Sabbath. What does he mean? Well, on the Sabbath day, priests would have been busy making sacrifices and burning incense and offering atonement for the people on a Sabbath day. So they, the priest worked really hard on the Sabbath. And so by the Pharisees' definition, they would have been profaning the Sabbath. But Jesus says clearly there are some times, there, there are things that are more important than just mere Sabbath observance. Right? The, the priest's duties supersede your tradition of Sabbath-keeping. And then Jesus says this, I tell you, something greater than the temple is here. What's he mean by that? He's referring to himself. He's saying the Messiah is here. And so if David could eat bread, could eat the holy bread that was only reserved for the priest, and if the priest can profane the Sabbath in their work, then surely... My men can get some grain from a field. Something greater than the Sabbath is here, and it's, I mean, something greater than the temple is here, and it's me. So if those things are permissible and allowable, then surely my authority supersedes those. He even goes on. He says, he quotes from Hosea 6 6. He said, If you had known what this means, I desire mercy and not sacrifice, you would not have condemned the guiltless. What's his point? He's saying that, is he saying that, um, this is, that, that all sacrifices, all of the ceremonial law, all those things, those are to be done away with in the name of compassion? No. Right? God ordained those too. But what he's saying is you can't keep this and ignore this. Right? Religion's easy to do externally, uh, but. If you miss compassion, if you miss neighbor love, then you've kind of missed the point. So yes, do your sacrifices, but do it with a right heart of love towards neighbor. 
compassion and sacrifices go together. Because what, what is it that the sacrifices demonstrate? They demonstrate God's compassion. So it's, it's, it's legalism to go through the motions of sacrifice without showing compassion to those who need it. And he finishes by saying thus, For the Son of Man, Jesus referring to himself, is Lord of the Sabbath. What's he saying? I'm the one who wrote it. I get to tell you what's permissible and not permissible. I am the Lord of the Sabbath. I have the authority. So if anybody, if we're having a debate about what's permissible, I, I trump you, is what he's saying. Now, notice what Jesus doesn't do. He doesn't do away with the Sabbath. He doesn't say, hey, no worries, guys. We're going to stop doing this one day and seven thing. All the other Ten Commandments, keep those, but number four, we're just going to delete and remove. Right? Murder, that's still bad. Sabbath, off the table. Jesus doesn't do that. Right? And that, so that kind of speaks to where we are. Right? We... We're kind of on the opposite end of the spectrum. If, if they overcorrected one way, we've kind of overcorrected the other. We're just like, well, all the days are the same. Who needs a Sabbath, right? Um, but what we see uh, following Jesus, the early church, uh, they, they actually still set aside one day in seven. But what day did they set aside? The first day of the week. Why? It wasn't the seventh day. It wasn't Saturday. It was the first day. Because that's the day that Jesus rose from the dead. So the cross and the resurrection changed the day in which Christians gathered to worship and rested from their work. All right? So uh, Jesus doesn't do away with the Sabbath, but he takes all that extra burden off of it. He says this is meant to be a day of, of rest and delight and mercy. So what legalism does is it makes it about the rule and it misses the God behind it. What does legalism do as a result? And you see this demonstrated in the next section. How does legalism act? Jesus and his disciples head over to the synagogue, which would have been the Jewish place of worship on the Sabbath. And behold, Matthew says, there's a, there's a man there with a, a withered hand, a dried up atrophied hand, a hand he can't use. As you can imagine, it probably looked something like this. Maybe it was shriveled and shrunken, but he couldn't use it which would have impacted his ability to, to work, would have probably impacted his place in society. And there he is in the synagogue, and the Pharisees use him as a test case for Jesus. Again, when, when legalism becomes more about keeping the rules, then people are irrelevant. And so the Pharisees put this guy forward, this disabled man, this crippled man, and they say, Hey, Jesus... Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? Now, as long as somebody wasn't, right, if, if someone was dying, Jewish tradition said that you could intervene, that you could, medical intervention was okay on the Sabbath day if someone was dying. But this guy could have waited. He could have waited for Monday or Sunday, right? Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? And Matthew gives us their motive. He's very clear. They weren't really interested in keeping the Sabbath. 
They weren't really interested in, in learning the intricacies of, of the law and how it demonstrated God. No, what they wanted to do was accuse Jesus. Their motive is, their, their motive is front and center. They're not, they're not looking to help this man or understand God. They are looking to accuse Jesus. Jesus. And so Jesus says to them, look, if you have a sheep and it falls into a pit on the Sabbath, you going to leave it there? You going to let it die? No, that animal is valuable to you, right? So each one of you, if you have a sheep and it falls into a pit on the Sabbath, you're going to reach in, you're going to grab it, and you're going to pull it out. If you do that for a sheep, for an animal, and people are more valuable than animals, yes, Jesus says that, people are more valuable than animals, then is it not right to help people even on the Sabbath? Mark tells us that they were silent. They couldn't answer. In fact, and, and Jesus was angry with them because they knew the right answer and refused to give it. And so Jesus, then to prove his point, heals the man's hand. Did you notice how much, how much work does he do in healing the man's hand? He just speaks. He didn't even lift a finger. He just says, hey, buddy, stick out your hand, and it's healed. Right? So... Jesus says it is right to do good on the Sabbath. And from that we learn that, yes, the Lord's Day, Sunday, for us, is a day of worship and rest. And that means we can avoid and should avoid doing all of the labor that belongs in the other six days. This is a day for us to enjoy and delight and rest in. It's a day to worship Right? We have a whole day, not just a Sabbath hour. We have a whole Sabbath day. And it's a day in which to do good. The uh, theologians would say works of necessity and mercy. Right? That, that we can help people. It is good. It's right. And we even should do works of mercy on the Sabbath. That is, that is okay. But look at what, look at what legalism does. What's their response to Jesus' healing? They gather together and they start talking so they can figure out how to do what? Destroy him. It's a pretty strong word for killing. Jesus' violation of their rules makes them so angry they want to kill him. And so here's, here's what the heart of legalism looks like. This is, this, is, this is it rotten to the core. These men believe their rules are so important that, that they are willing to violate one of God's rules to keep them. They believe that Jesus has broken the fourth, so they're going to go break the sixth. See the irony in that? And, and the tragedy in that? In trying to honor God, they will actually kill him. That's what, that's what legalism does we can look very good on the outside because we're keeping all the rules but we lack integrity right we look we look great out here but at heart we look terrible we're good at keeping the rules 
but we're not very good at honoring God or really being holy. In fact, we can even think we're righteous, right? If we're good rule-following people, we can even think we're righteous. We can think that God is pleased with us. No doubt as the Pharisees did. No doubt as the Apostle Paul did in the book of Acts, who was a Pharisee. And he was so opposed to Jesus and to his people that he was going all over the place trying to get people arrested. He oversaw the execution of Stephen by stoning. He was convinced that he was doing the right thing until God knocked him off his horse and opened his eyes. That's legalism. We're convinced that we're righteous and we're pleasing God when, in fact, we're not. But in contrast to the Pharisees, in contrast to legalism, Matthew shows us the heart of Jesus in action. He shows us who Jesus is. We see in verse 15, right, Jesus learns of this plot and he withdraws. Not because he's scared, not because he's worried, but because it's not his time yet. He's still got work to do. And what's interesting about this is that Jesus could easily crush his opponents. This, this man who could heal with a word and could talk to a raging storm and say, hush, and it stops. He could have easily defeated his op- opponents verbally. He could have easily defeated his opponents physically. But he doesn't. He moves on to somewhere else and says, I'm not worried about that. I've got work to do. He continues on. And as he withdraws, we see many people follow, and he heals them. And it's interesting. What does he, what does he tell them when he heals them? He says, don't say a word. And, like, the word here is command, like, strongly command. Jesus doesn't say, hey, guys, it would be really good if you didn't say anything about this. Let's just keep it between you and me. No, he says, Do not tell anybody what I have done for you. Why? Because Jesus Jesus doesn't need the publicity. He doesn't care. It's not his time to die yet. He knows he's got more to do, so he's not worried about his platform. He's not worried about his influence. Right? He's got he's got a mission to fulfill. Why is, it, why is it that Jesus isn't worried about publicity? Why, does, why is he able, because I don't know, I mean, if, if I had this kind of power, my enemies would know it, my friends would know it, and I would make sure that I told as many people as possible. What makes Jesus different? He knows who he is. He's secure in his identity. Matthew quotes from Isaiah In verse 18, behold, my servant whom I have chosen. Jesus knows that he's the chosen servant. Do servants draw attention to themselves? Nope. In fact, a servant's job is to not be seen at all. Open the door, take off the shoes, get the meal ready, get out of the way. Right? A servant's job is just to do what his master wants him to do. He's not there to make a name for himself. The servant whom I've chosen, my beloved with whom my soul is well pleased. Jesus 
rest in who he is before the Father. He is the beloved. He's the one and only son. Men, how many of you work to appease someone who can never be appeased? How many of you are laboring for someone? Maybe it's your dad. Maybe it's the memory of your dad. Maybe it's someone else. But you're, you're, you're laboring and wearing yourself out for someone who you can never please. Jesus doesn't have that problem. His father is well pleased with him. He is the beloved with whom the father's soul is well pleased. Here's what that does for Jesus. He doesn't have to please anyone else. As long as his father is pleased, he can freely do his work. He doesn't have to please the crowds. He doesn't have to please the Pharisees. He is secure in who he is. How does he do his work? It says, he will not quarrel or cry aloud. No one will hear his voice in the streets. He's lowly. We saw this last week when Jesus said, I'm gentle and lowly in heart. Here it is again. He's lowly. He's not uh, seeking a platform. He's not quarreling. He's not shouting. He's saying, he said, you don't even hear his voice. He doesn't have to be heard. Know that we were more like that. Know that we had leaders, more leaders like that. He's lowly. He's gentle. He says, a bruised reed he will not break, a smoldering wick he will not quench. Reeds and wicks were cheap. Right? You could use a reed to make a flute, to measure something as a tool, but they were abundant and cheap. Right? So if you, had, if you had a bunch of reeds and one of them was, was bruised, was, was bent, you just threw it out and got another one. Right? Nobody, nobody would have wasted the time to bind up a bruised reed. But Jesus does. See, we think if someone's broken, then it's a lot easier to, to discard. They, they really can't be useful. Maybe you feel that way about yourself. I really can't be useful. I'm too bruised for that. I'm too broken for that. You need to hear from gentle Jesus. He doesn't break bruised reeds. He's low and he's slow. Smoldering wick. Right? If it got low enough and it was just smoking, man, just yank it out, put another one in there, and light it. Nobody would waste time trying to figure out how to make that wick burn better but Jesus doesn't quench the smoldering wick that's how gentle he is he takes the broken and he takes the weak and he uses them that's that's who he is very different from the legalist legalism discards people in the name of the rules that Jesus loves people to keep the law that's what the law required. It's who he is. What does he do? What's his mission? As the chosen servant, as the beloved one, his mission is to bring justice to the nations. Now, we hear that word justice, and, and maybe you think, at least I think, when I hear that word justice, I think, like, tough on crime. The bad guys get what's coming to them. And, and that is an aspect of justice. 
But when the Bible uses the word justice, it's referring to setting things right. Uh, it's, it's taking whatever's upside down and turning it right side up. It's what God will do at the very end. All will be well. That's the, that's the biblical idea of justice. And that's the son's mission. To bring justice, not just to the Jews, but to the whole world, to the nations. And which leads to the conclusion, verse 21, in his name, the nations will hope. See, legalism, rule keeping, it doesn't bring hope. It brings despair. Why? Because you can't keep enough. The law was not meant to save you and me. No amount of law keeping would prove you before God. Even further, right, the, the man-made rules and regulations, there's always more. There's always something I'm not doing right, something I'm not saying right, right? Legalism only brings despair. But Jesus, Jesus brings hope. How? By keeping the law. He keeps the law that all of us break. And then he goes to the cross and dies like a lawbreaker. I told you that, that Israel got exiled from the land for breaking the Sabbath. Jesus kept every Sabbath he ever observed. Every Sabbath he lived as a man, he kept it perfectly. He obeyed the Sabbath. But on the cross, he was treated like a Sabbath breaker. He was exiled from the Father's love and experienced the Father's wrath so that Sabbath breakers like me and you could experience the Father's love so that we could experience rest. That's how Jesus brings hope. He gives us the rest that we don't have to work for. He's already earned it. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for being a gracious God who forgives sin. Lord Jesus, thank you for keeping the Sabbath on our behalf. For doing all of the things that we have failed to do and then giving us the benefit as if we had kept them ourselves. As if we had enjoyed uh, every Sabbath day. Lord, first I pray that we would Find our rest in you, not in our, not in our rule keeping. That we would not overcorrect and make obedience to you uh, about keeping man-made rules and regulations. Or maybe be rooted in your word. Lord, I pray that the Sabbath, Sunday, the Lord's Day, would be a delight to us, a rest to us. A day in which we can enjoy the benefits of your saving work. And Lord, give us the heart of Jesus. Holy Spirit, make us, make us more like our Lord, who is gentle and lowly, who would not break a bruised reed or extinguish a smoking wick. 
May we think less of our platform and influence and power and more of following you and your pleasure. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand and sing together.